Welcome to Ohanga. My name is Maggie, and today we'll be speaking with Julie. Julie. So what kind of art do you do? I like to do fiber arts and fiber art is a way of designing fabric and paper with using plants and natural dyes. So I like to use um, natural fibers that I print with plants and leaves and local botanicals. So we live on a farm out in green and I like to use a lot of the plants that we grow and also from the woodlands that we live around us. So I actually take the plants themselves, the leaves, the bark, the flowers. I lay them on a five on a piece of fabric and I imprint their impressions onto the fabric, which creates the design on the fiber. So I also use natural dyes to enhance the prints with natural colors to make the scarfs and fabric look the way that I would like it to look or what nature has in mind for me to do. So it's very natural, it's very earthy, and all, the, all the, the textiles that I dye are all one of a kind. So that's really kind of cool in that way. Yeah, that's very cool. And how did you get involved with that? But take us as far back as you can. Okay, so I can I remember even as a little girl always being the one that we went to the beach was the one that gathered all the flowers and looking oh. at the grasses and I always enjoyed flowers. And then when I got older and I, I had kids and I started a business with my parents where I we had an herb shop and floral shop and I got into doing fresh flower arrangements. I, I self-taught myself. I just started out doing a couple of weddings and more kept coming. And I really enjoyed working with flowers and working with brides to figure out what they would like and how they could express themselves through their flowers on their special day. And I really enjoyed that. Um, At what point yeah. was this, how old were you when you got involved with that? Uh, I was probably in my thirties because my kids were younger then. So we had the store for about 10 years and then it just was, a lot of work and I just had young teenagers at the time and my kids were getting older and I needed to spend more time at home. So, and my parents were getting older. So we gave up the store and we moved beyond that. But I still did wedding flowers. People still found me. I thought once I closed the store, I was done, but I would get calls every year and it's dwindled down, but I still do some here and there, but it's not my love anymore. So okay. I still do it. I still can get in and buy flowers and stuff like that. So it gives me a chance to buy unusual eucalyptus and to use for my printing and stuff like that. But I, so we also, at the same time, we started growing flowers at home when we had the store. So my husband and I started growing peonies. So we have a small peony farm in green oh. and we have over 400 plants. Wow. We've been selling them now for about 25 years and we've always sold wholesale. But last year with COVID, all the wholesale accounts got closed. Wow. So there was no wedding work. So we were like, what are we gonna do with all these flowers? We have thousands of flowers that we pick every year. Yeah. So I decided that we've, we were always thought that, well, no one will ever come all the way out to green. I live half hour from Warwick and it's like and in Rhode Island, that's like going to the other ends of the earth. <laughs> like, well, you know what? And so we're gonna, we're gonna try to sell them. We're just gonna put up a notice on Facebook, come out to the farm, pick up a bouquet. I had people call, they had a time slot. 
So I didn't have a lot of people here and every day I sold out. So wow. every day we had people coming out and I set up all my, my fiber arts. And so people could see that too. So that gave me another avenue of selling that there and also for people to see what would be available in the fall if shows ever started up again. But we, so we sold all of the flowers. We sold out of every peony that we had, which wow. was so nice. So people got to come out to the farm and see it. And that gave us a new exposure. So we're going to do that again this year and we'll have people come out. So that, and we also um, grow dried flowers. Well, that's mainly my husband, he's retired and that's what he does. He takes care of all the growing outside. So he takes care, we have all kinds of dried flowers that we're putting in this year. So we can do more dried flower bouquets in the fall, which we did by selling them at the farmer's market at the Providence Flea, which did really well. So we're gonna get into doing more of those. So we have those, and then we also grow flowers for, for my printing and stuff like that too. So that's kind of how we've evolved from the store and became more of a farmer type. And then doing the fiber arts was just another way of using the different parts of the plants that we don't use. So you know, a, a flower is beautiful and everybody loves it, but to be able to get beauty from the leaves and the leaves have so many intricate parts to it. And when I actually print, you can see all the veins and parts of the leaf and how they interact with each other and the dyes will determine how the colors all shift and change. So it becomes very artsy in the sense that it's not a fabric that you just buy at the store and it's put that way. This is a combination of nature from all of its plant parts and how I interact with the dyes to get it to become one of a kind, which is really cool. So it's kind of evolved from that. Yeah. all the way up and so I have what? three grandkids and they all help at the farm too and Aww. they like to help me out and Willow loves to do crafts so she's always helping me print and stuff like that which makes it fun yeah so how did you get the idea to start using them on textiles like on clothing I stumbled on it online one day I was look we were doing craft shows we started doing I was making keychains with um with wine corks because I've always worked in restaurants and I have quite the collection of wine corks. Of okay. We were doing that, but it just wasn't enough. And I was trying to think of something else that I could, I could do that I could add to what I sell at the, the shows. And, and I was looking at indigo dyeing, which I do do. And that's a fun thing to do. So indigoing is with a vat that is a plant that you grow that, or you can buy already fermented. And then you make a vat and you do the dips with the blue to get the different darkness of colors with the indigo. And then you fold the fabric as it's called a Japanese shibori technique. So it's a resist technique. As you fold the fabric, you get different combinations of color with the blue. So I started doing that and that was really cool. And then I, I saw online this eco printing and I was like, that is really cool. I saw the more I read about it, the more I looked and it was just mostly the information was just other people that did it. And then I looked into doing some online classes and trying different things and just reading anything that I could get my hands on to find out more about how to do it. And it just totally intrigued me that it was like you put all these leaves on a fabric and you roll it up and then you steam it for two hours and you take the leaves off and you have this beautiful fabric. And it's like it's so cool when you open it up because you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you think you have one thing in mind, say, all right, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it's going to look like this. 
yeah, it doesn't come out like that. It's <laughs> totally different. Yeah. And it, it's just, and then because of the natural dyes, they, they change in different ways. Your chemical dyes, when you dye something, it's the color that it is. And it always stays that way. But with the natural dyes, they, they kind of grow with you and they change. So they become a little more weathered like you do as you wear them over the time. So, yeah. which is really neat the way that they look. So, so did you, so was the indigo dyeing also during COVID? I did that before. I did do indigo dyeing last year. I didn't, because the shows were canceled, I did some, but then I wasn't sure how I was going to sell them. So that was the big problem. But then I've been doing the Providence Flea and that did start back up at the end of August into September. So, so when I, did you, sorry, when did you first start attending the Providence Fleet? Was it when you had um, the flower store, the florist shop? Nope, I've only been doing the flea for like, say the last five years. And has that also been really, with your, so with your- a period of time I didn't do anything except for, you know, weddings here and there. So okay. I took a job at the casino working and I still work there part-time. Wow. My goal is to get out of there. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So what, what were you selling when you first started at the Providence Flea? I started selling the wine court keychains and then I started doing the indigo and then I moved quickly into doing the indigo and the eco printing. Okay. So you never sold your flowers at the Providence Flea? Yes, I did. Last year we did. Well, I, um, one year we tried selling the peonies there, but it's only two weeks in June that we have the flowers. Wow. And peonies are the kind of plant that kind of like rose, you put it in water and it just opens right up. So it was really hard to take the flowers and bring them there and sell them in a hot day out in the sun. Yeah, sure. So that that's why I really, we were into more selling them wholesale, which we had always done and just pick them and deliver them right away. So most of the florists that I delivered to would get the flowers within one or two days of getting them picked and we would store them in refrigerators in our basement. So they were like really fresh that way. Whereas when you buy them at the florist, they get them, by the time they get them, they're probably seven days old. Yeah. When we sold them at the farm last year, people were buying flowers that I had just picked that morning. So people were like, wow, they lasted all week. I was like, yeah, they just picked. Yeah. So we pick them tight and then they open up. But when we took them to the farm, to the Providence Flea, they opened up so fast that it yeah. just wasn't a good way of selling them. Okay. But we did sell the dried flowers and we've been doing that for a couple of years now. And they've always been really popular. I sell out of those every time I bring them. So, okay. So you mentioned working in the restaurant business, which is how you started also working on your cork. Uh, was Is it just earrings or just jewelry in general? Just keychains. I was doing oh, the key cork keychains and I still do them when I have the time. So I might bring them to you. I've been thinking of the different ways I could do them and they're an easy, an easy sell. And I can do them with a beach theme because I put the little stones on them. And so you can do them with a Rhode Island theme. You could do them with a beach theme. So. Yeah. So when, how did you get involved with the restaurant business? Oh, I've always worked in the restaurant. I've been working in the restaurant business since I was like 18 years old. So it's always okay. been like that a part-time job and it worked really well when I had kids. I have two daughters. So raising them, it gave me, you know, able to work at home and 
do things. It's kind of yeah. nice. Like even now it's like a retirement job. I go there two or three days a week and I have to go to five o'clock. So I have all day long to do whatever I want. And then I squeeze in going to work at night for four or five hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a busy restaurant and I would like to get out of it eventually. I'm sure, I'm sure. More of just this and it's hard to replace the income, so. Yeah. So have you been in Rhode Island all your life or did you move around at all? Nope. We've always lived in Rhode Island. I grew up in Rhode Island. I was born in Warwick and then we moved to North Kingstown for a while. <clears throat> and then when Steve and I got married, we, um, we were living in Wickford and then we bought land out in green. We always were fascinated with being out here. So Steve built the house with one other person wow. back in, oh, we've been here now. Oh, 40 almost 40 years now we've been out here. Wow. So it's nice. How did you meet your husband? We worked in a restaurant together. Oh, <laughs> we lovely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So is there any, any person in particular that has influenced your, your artistic pursuit recently? I, with the, with the eco printing, there are a number of eco artists online that share their ideas, their techniques, and they offer online classes. Irit Dolman, who is from, from Israel, does a, a really unusual types of prints. There's also um, India Flint, which is probably one of the pioneers of eco-printing. She's from Australia. And then I really like this girl, Carolyn Dixon, which is, she's in England. I'm going to take an online class with her at the end of the month. And she does a more colorful style printing. Okay. And I want to find out more about that. So there's always something to learn. And I'm always like findings, oh, I could do this. And then this is kind of really neat. And so I find I'm all over the place with different ideas because it's like, I find everything is so fascinating to do. Yeah. I have all different kinds of fibers. So I, I like to use silk and, you know, raw silk. There's cotton fibers, uh, protein fibers. I, I'll order cashmere, which will come in and then different scarves in the fall, which are just beautiful to print. Your protein fibers print so nice and it's just you can get a lot of different things from different fibers and yeah. they all take the dye differently. You can use the same natural dye on cotton or on silk and fiber or wool and they all get, they all the colors are all different. Wow. Like the texture um, absorbs it differently and it interacts mm -hmm. with the chemistry of the fibers and they all print differently, which is so cool. Yeah. yeah. So well, what, what inspires your work? You know, well, besides nature obviously what 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 motivates you what keeps you going with this art form the, the when i make something and somebody looks at it and they're like wow this is so different and it was kind of like the same rush i would get when i would do wedding flowers for people it was like okay. people would they would they'll find something or they'll they'll buy something like oh this will be so great for so and so because they love this and it's got these kind of leaves on it or this color with it and it's their style and it's like, and that really makes me feel good when people yeah. find something that really speaks to them because each piece of, of thing that I dye has its own story and where it's been and um, how it's grown. And I think people kind of relate to that. It's kind of the energy from the art kind of attracts their energy. And it's, it's neat seeing that when people find something that they really like. Yeah, absolutely. And are there, so the theme clearly in general is nature just because of, you know, the, the products you're using, but is there any, 
any pattern or any specific like leaves or or pattern that you try to lean towards? I know you said it's it's usually a surprise, so maybe it's a little hard to do that. Yeah, probably it's been my biggest hard part is to let go. Like I, if you have something in mind that you're trying to do, or if you see something that somebody else has done and say, oh, wow, I love the colors in that and I love the way it printed. And then you try to duplicate it or even trying to duplicate something that I've already done. It doesn't quite come out the way you anticipate it to come. Okay. So I find that it's like, wow, this is really cool, but it's not what I, not what I was planning. <laughs> so I have to kind of let go and just be, you know, grateful grateful for what I get from it and just be and be more accepting and acceptance of it. And, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like sometimes it's not what I wanted, but it it's still beautiful and it will somebody loves it. And it's just, you know, I to think that it's not always I'm making something for me. I'm making something that somebody else will really love and everybody's different. So there's always something but letting go and just letting it be and accept that and be just grateful for what comes out of it. Okay. Sometimes I have to put something away for a little while and go, oh, <laughs> I take it out. It's like, wow, it's, it's a little different than I remember now. And it looks, you know, it's, I like to let things sit for a while and yeah. they lighten up a little bit and they kind of come into their own. So that's the okay. fun part of doing it all. Gotcha. And can you describe your workspace? Where do you do all of the dyeing in? All right, so I have three workspaces. I have outdoors, of course, which I do my indigo dye in because you can't do it inside because when you're doing indigo dye and you're dipping it into this vat and you're taking it out and you're letting it oxidize and then you're re-dipping it sometimes up to 10 times to get a really dark blue. So I do that outside because it's really, really messy. So I have my outdoor space where I can, you know, do make my mess and clean it up later and yeah. And we, I have a, a studio in my basement where I do my eco printing now. I outgrew the kitchen and I outgrew my workroom upstairs. So I took over the cellar, the basement. So I have all my dyes down there. My husband built me all these shelves. I have two no. big tables. You know, it's right by the big door that opens up to the outside so I can get lighted from the outdoors and I can make a mess and it's on the basement floor. So it's so it's like all org. I call it organized mess because it's all organized where everything is. And then when I stop making things, it gets really, it's kind of a messy kind of an art when the way it just does it. And then I have a space upstairs in the upstairs room that I do share with my grandkids because they think it's the neatest place to play. So that's my sewing room in my office. So Aww. they have their little crafty things that they have in their corner that they get to play, but they love to get into all my little pens and markers and scissors and yarn and anything else you can find. So, and they're even, even Willow's learning to sew. So she Aww. likes to play on my nice new sewing machine. So it's a, <laughs> so when I get going and I'm sewing, I can make a mess, but it's, you know, I clean it all up and start all over again. Yeah. 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 Okay. And now besides you've mentioned having trouble, you know, letting go of your expectation of like what the pattern and what the colors will be, but have you faced any other particular difficulties in, in pursuing this new business of yours? Trying to make a consistent income with it. You okay. know, it's like, it's not so much the budgeting part. It's just being able to find what will sell because you can do things and make beautiful things, but you can't get an income from it if it doesn't sell. Yeah. So finding what people like 
what I like to do and balancing all that. And then, you know, I was doing really good with the shows before COVID. And I was like, oh, good, this is going real. I had a great fall, you know, Christmas is coming in. I'll lay low for January and February. Spring comes around and I can get going again. Maybe I'll get to retire. And then COVID hit. And it was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> maybe there not. we go. <laughs> but even with COVID, it's still, the you know, the fall shows were pretty good. It wasn't horrible, but it's time to find different avenues and trying to find different ways of, of selling different things in different places. And that was why one of the reasons why the shop looks so good is because it was an avenue for me to sell in another area in Rhode Island and not just be at shows, you know, it's right. like you're trying to yeah. get an income in different areas and trying to do that. So. so have you only been selling at shows or do you also have an online presence? <laughs> I have an Etsy store, um, but for shows got December and November where the Christmas shows came around, it was hard to really determine what was going to sell, what inventory to have, because it was always this cloud hanging over everybody's head that they could just shut the shows down. Yeah. You know, at one point, they could just all be canceled. We could all be back down on lockdown. So, it, you know, you, you weren't sure how much inventory to carry and what when you're going into your busiest season, which is usually your Christmas season and trying to judge all that. So even though the Etsy store, I didn't have as many things on it because I wasn't, I, I shows ended up keep going in December. So I could just barely handle the inventory from yeah. doing that. And it's just now a matter of finding the time to get that up and running again. Okay. <laughs> so I have a few things on there, but. <laughs> and so point. your, your brand is called Farm Designs? It's called Lewis Farm Designs Lewis and Farm Lewis Designs, Farm right. is, we have Lewis Farm peonies. And so we live on Lewis Farm and we called it Lewis Farm Design. So it was a, another part of what we had and we just branched off into the textile part of it. Okay, so why Lewis? Where does the name Lewis come from? Lewis was the, an old farm that used to be on this road. So oh. we're on a dirt road in a very rural part and Lewis Farm was the old cow farm that was across the street from us. And, it, and then they broke up a lot of the land and then they sold it off. And this is where there's probably only like 15 houses on this road. So, wow. And that's all. So the name, the road is named after the old Lewis Farm cow farm. So out in the front of our house, we have this little stone shed that used to be the milk shed where they used to store the milk wow. before when it got picked up. So everybody, because the bike path goes right by our house to go to the trestle, which is the, the bike path that goes all through Rhode Island. So the little stone shed is right out in the front and people are always stopping and taking pictures of it because it's really, really old. It's probably from the 1900s. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, okay, so okay. So what is the ultimate goal for Lewis Farm Design? What do you, what do you want it to be or mean for yourself and for your customers? Well, eventually I'd like to quit working at the restaurant right. and to retire and supplement my income with a, with the home business is what we would like to do. So by switching that into it, I don't want to retire for another year. So to supplement social security with having an income from, from the business. And I would like to do more shows, sell more of the different types and get better at what I do. And I'd like to eventually start doing classes where I would have either women or adults, men, women. And then I'd like to do classes for kids 
because kids really love to play outside. Yeah. Do that. So we do have the space. We have a two car garage that I can work out of and we've got the space outside. We have plenty of ample parking. So I would be able to, to do it out here. And I think once we get through COVID, then I should be it. And I've had people inquire about it, you know, kind of taking what I do down to the basics and, you know, sharing it with people. And then they can make their own designs and their own colors and their own scarves and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I think we've pretty much covered all of my questions. Is there anything else you think is important to know about you or your story? No, I think that just about covers everything. The, you know, the farm and the flowers that we're growing and that will be a big, that's a big part of what drives us to and or makes it, it's a big part of who we are is okay. you know the flower farm and we're doing that and when I do the shows my husband comes with me and he Aww. helps me set up and sometimes my granddaughter will come and Lily will she's the oldest and she'll she likes to come and play cashier <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> that's so cute